You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Some friendly chatter between Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green. That's what you want to call it? (laughs) What do you want to call it, Chuckster? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which, Which one? one? <laughs> I really do. I just want somebody to pu- punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I want to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. I do. Why? Why? Relax, what Chuck. makes you upset? You asked me a question. I, gave you a question. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't ask you to hey, punch him. You said you and I said, why? Get it. When Chuck get like that, just leave him alone. No, I like it. <laughs> I think a lot of guys talk on TV, um, stand behind a microphone and a TV screen. fact of the matter is, if... If you feel that strongly about something, he's seen me a million times. If he feel that strongly about it, then punch me in my face when you see me. <laughs> if you're not going to punch me in my face when you see me, then shut up. It's no different <laughs> than somebody sitting behind a computer screen tweeting, I'll knock you out and you never see him in life. Well, he's seen me a bunch of times and he'll see me again this year. Punch me in the face when you see me or if not, no one cares what you would have done. You old and it is what it is. So if you ain't going to punch me when you see me, then stop talking about it. Period. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, the sports person of the day. Now, you might think the sports person of the day is Charles Barkley. Who's been a featured for, member. For saying that he wants somebody to punch. Uh, he said he wanted somebody to punch Damon Green, Draymond Green's ass in his face mm-hmm. and all and then uh, Draymond Green responding. But today's sports person of the day is Damon's mama. Draymond's mother. Draymond, Draymond's mother. Draymond's mother, Mary Babbers. Mary Babbers is her name, and she got back at Charles on Twitter. Did you see this, Reavers? No. Uh, she she first tweets him out to uh, NBA on TNT. Charles Barkley, I wish you would. I think Shaq had you running, meaning I, I don't know what that means, but... Uh, Later on, oh, it's from the when the because uh, remember Charles when when Chuck was playing in Houston, him and him and Shaq got into a little uh, oh, okay. little scuffle. Yeah, it was like ninety eight, ninety nine ish. But then Mary, proving that she's a longtime follower of the NBA, says he would not have done nothing but run like he did when he started the fight between Dr. J and Bird. <laughs> so that's a famous <laughs> Charles moment when he ran, but. Only the NBA. This is why it's huge, right? Oh, yes. You got Charles. Yes. You got Draymond Green exchanging insults. And then you got Mom in on it. Mama's not going to yes. It's, uh, you know, Golden State wins and they and the game's over and it's not that much to talk about, right? Do you Except think you got Charles, you got Draymond Green, and you got Mama? NBA oh, moms, man, mom, don't mess oh, with yeah. them. Remember Kevin Durant's Kevin mom Durant's, went after, went after yes. Stephen A. last well, we year. Had, when didn't we have a Marbury? Mom, was it Marbury's no, mom? No, no, it wasn't. Mar- I thought it was Jr.'s mom. No, I thought I'm almost positive it was Stephon Marbury's mom. Game. 
which mom came on the was protecting her boy at a. I'm going to check, but I'm. I'm I gonna, don't think it was Barbara. I thought it was Jr.'s mom. Well, I remember Alan Iverson's mom too. Yeah. and stuff was going on with him. Well, she then she ended up getting ads. Yeah, she ended up getting ads. Did but AI it's tell you that? Did you hear from? Did you hear that from AI? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love a mom who calls oh, yes. her son AI because everybody else. Does, well, I but. think it was LeBron's mom when the Cavs. This was during LeBron's first stint with the Cavs, and they got they were playing the the uh, Celtics in the playoffs, and LeBron went tumbling into the like Paul Pierce hit LeBron mm-hmm. into the stands or something like that, and LeBron's mom was sitting right there, mm-hmm. and she got up and got in Paul Pierce's face, and LeBron looked at his mom and said, "Sit down." <laughs> the greatest story ever written. Quick timeout. Sorry. Yes. Marbury's mom did it while he was playing overseas, not oh, while he was China. with the Wolves. Okay, so All I'm right. sorry. You were right. So she was defending him in China? Apparently. That's the that's the story that popped up, not when he was with the Timberwolves. The, we're going back 100 years. Inside Sports was the came out as a magazine, and they were, gonna, they were I think, only once every two weeks or maybe even monthly, but they were going to try to compete with Sports Illustrated. And they were paying big money. And John Walsh was the editor, and he ended up being an ESPN guy, you know, very bright guy. And they had great writing, and they had a guy named Pete Dexter, uh, who was a city-side columnist in Philadelphia, but a great writer. And he did a piece on Daryl Dawkins when Daryl was a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And Daryl, he went down and watched a game with Daryl's grandma. When Daryl, down in some somewhere in Florida or some damn place, he watched the game with Grandma, yeah. and it was the funniest thing. Man, I'd love to find that article. And she was, she had like her cane, and she was gonna like somebody was pushing Daryl, and she was gonna beat the head. She was gonna beat on the TV, and she was threatening the guy to beat the hell out of her with his cane. And, oh. oh, it was just hysterical. When you know, was this event big, like? Because oh, Daryl played when, when early Darryl 80s, right? Daryl was 18, 19. He so was, 70s? Well, he was there when uh, when the when did the Walton and the Trailblazers sweep him? What year was that? That was Eddie? late 70s. 75? 77. Daryl was there because I was at the game the night Daryl took the swing at uh, somebody from Marvin, uh, Marvin Barnes. Was it? Wasn't it Marvin Barnes in Portland? Took the swing at Marvin Barnes, missed and hit Doug Collins. Took the big swing at Philadelphia. That bleeping time machine. I think it was Marvin. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Maurice Lucas. Took the swing at Maurice Lucas, (laughs) missed and hit Doug Collins, and damn near knocked him out. And uh, but it was right around Daryl's early years. Who was the guy? Seventy-five, seventy-six. So forty years ago. Who was the guy that punched Rudy T? Oh, that was Kermit Washington. Kermit Washington. That's that was right. yeah, when yeah. He broke his face, broke, ruined yeah. his career, and that was that was that was a tragedy. Really yeah. quick, really quick. Since we brought up Barkley, and this reminded me to to play this for you guys. Did you hear him and Kenny Smith the other night? <laughs> no. Play. What do you think, Chuckster? It's ten forty five on a Monday night. Uh, oh, we might break the internet tonight. It's going to be over a billion, like one point over a, billion. O- over a billion viewers on yes over the air TV. Yeah. You know who's watching though? Uh, yeah. Out of one point two billion. Huh. Little London at home, she's watching that. Man, we don't care about your kids. (laughs) We don't care about your kids. Little London's watching. Man, we don't care about your kids. (laughs) That is, but see, that kind of stuff is why I love to watch them. Like when Charles starts talking about Towns needs to stop shooting threes, like that turns me off. But 
But when they <laughs> when they start bickering at each other and talking <laughs> stuff to each other, that's that's when it's gold. That's when it's fantastic. <laughs> Shaq is uh, Shaq's pretty. Shaq was kind of the third wheel for a while, and it didn't work, but it works now. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's great because he's always had a great sense of humor. All right, we'll be back. Tim Kirkjian uh, and uh, Baltimore. Timmy, Richard Justice, and Kenny Rosenthal, Jr., as we all call them, were the beat writers when they, in uh, 1988, when they lost uh, 21 in a row to start the season. And uh, the, we'll, we'll talk to Kenny, about, uh, Timmy, about that because MLB had a little special on that, uh, on that streak. And uh, we'll talk to him about that and other baseball issues when we get back. Tim Kirchhen is with us talking a little baseball. Uh, the uh, MLB uh, Network and everybody else in American baseball had a little fun with the 1988 streak. Uh, you and Junior Rosenthal and the great Richard Justice were all the beat guys on that streak, and I couldn't have, I couldn't think of three guys who could have had more laughs than you guys did during that losing streak. Well, there were a lot of laughs provided, Pat. The best one, of course, happened in Minneapolis. It was there was an off day after they went like zero and seventeen. Yes, Frank Robinson needing a little support took the writers out to dinner. Never (laughs) happened before or after. Yeah, and I asked him casually. During dinner, Frank, has anyone interesting called you during the street? And he said, yeah, the president called me today. So I said, no, seriously, Frank. And he was a big kidder. So I pushed him three times, and he finally looked at me and said, damn it, the president of the United States called me today. And I said, Frank, what did he he say? He said, Frank, I know what you're going through. And Frank said, Mr. President, you got no idea what I'm going through. In Minneapolis was the place we went, and that and we and Richard and I, of course, ran to the payphone <laughs> to call in this great little box for the front page the next day, and we got it in. But it was just one of those where you just have to ask the question, and Frank would always answer it. <laughs> well, that is uh, that is fantastic, and of course, the worst thing in that situation is. As many yucks as you have in the press box, you have to act somber when you get to the clubhouse, uh, you know, at least in the early moments when you walk. You can't still be chuckling when you get there. Right. And seriously, Pat, after a while, it was no longer funny. It was historic (laughs) and it was compelling, but it wasn't amusing. Scott McGregor, one of the great guys you'll ever meet, looked at me after 14 and said, Tim, a high school team couldn't lose 14 games in a row. And and the next day he kind of looked at me and said, you know, why are these? Well, when are these people going to go home? Like, <laughs> the entire national media has descended. I said, Scotty, just win a game, they'll all go home gladly. But they're not going until you win, which of course they finally did. Ah, uh, they li- they got swept here to make it twenty, and then they lost one more, and finally won one. Huh? Yeah, they won that Friday night in uh, Chicago. And nine to nothing, Terry Kennedy just told me again the other day, there was no celebration in the clubhouse. They were all so embarrassed. There wasn't even a sense of relief. He said, we were way past that. And then on Sunday, they lost again, one in 23, going home. And Freddie Lynn announced on the bus to everyone, you guys better wear your helmets on the field tomorrow when we get home because the fans are going to be throwing rocks at us. And instead... 
50,000 people showed up on a Monday night in Baltimore. They beat the Rangers 9-4 to four and cheered on a 1-23 team. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my baseball writing career. And that was the old ballpark, right? 88? Yeah. You still? The old ballpark just rocked when things <laughs> were going good. And in this case, things were going terribly, and it rocked. It was just another reminder, at least back then, how much Baltimore loved its baseball. And they had no idea how rotten they were going to They had no idea that was going to be a rotten team, did they? When the well, year they started? had a Hall of Famer at shortstop. They had a Hall of Famer at first base. <laughs> now, they were coming off a really terrible 87 season. Yeah. So I kind of had an idea this isn't going to go well, but I had no idea it was going to be 0 and 21 and lose 107 games. It was, and that was the worst part for the beat writers, Pat. After the novelty had worn off, we looked around and thought, "Oh my God, they're like 18 games out, and we got 140 to go. What are we going to do?" Well, the only sad thing is, I mean, Frank uh, apparently handled it okay, but it would have been great to have Weaves managing that team. Oh, my God, if Earl had been there, he would have carried us every single night. That was always the only bad part about covering Earl was he was so quotable after a game. I know it happened to me a couple times. I said, I don't have anything good to write here. I'm just going to let Earl tell me what to write after the game. I'm going to let him carry me, and he often did. But that was not a good way. You have to go downstairs with an idea, but with Earl – he always had something funny to say. Well, by uh, by the time you three guys were covering it, it kind of changed because I go back to the era when it was Hanneman and uh, Nigro, and basically they'd go in and argue strategy with Earl after every game. You couldn't ask a question because they were, why did you do this in the seventh inning? And then Nigro and him would be screaming at each other. And it was, it was always, it was, it was impossible to get out of the clubhouse. Right. Here's what Earl did for the beat writers back then, Pat. He gave them what he called if quotes on the last day of a road trip. They all want to get on the plane afterwards and go home. So he said, all right, you can write it before you come down here. If we win, I'll say, hey, we won eight out of ten on this trip. If we lose, I'll say, hey, whatever. So he actually gave the beat writers if quotes. So they had quotes in their paper before the game ended. Yeah, he may be one of the three or four uh, greatest guys I've ever met in baseball. Man, I loved him. He was he was unbelievable. And uh, a great, great manager, Pat. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. <laughs> we have uh, we have a, a streak going here that isn't it. It is kind of ugly with this team that thought it had some expectations. Uh, Timmy, the big question here: What are they going to do with the third baseman? He weighs two hundred ninety pounds. He got hurt again. He strikes out all the time. I don't know if sending him to the minors for two months when he gets healthy uh, would do him any good. He's just not, that's not kind of his mentality, but they have, nobody has been able to get through to this guy, Mr. Sano. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because there were real signs last year that somebody had gotten through to him. He hit a bunch of home runs, as we know. He seemed enthused about playing third base. I was told by the manager that you know, he has trouble going left and right, but he can come in and go back pretty well. He's got a great throwing arm, but he seemed engaged at the position. And if he's not going to be engaged at the position and he's going to strike out, you know, 40 times before he gets to May, and it's just not good enough. So I don't know what you do here. I think you just have to sit him down and say, son, look, we need you. you got to be better than this and see if it connects. 
You know, I think the 10-day DL is a bad idea, and uh, I'll tell you why. The Twins, uh, Buxton gets a migraine, right, when they're going to San Juan. So he's probably going to, you don't know how fast it's going to be cured, but in likelihood he'll be able to play in through three, four days. They end up putting him on the DL because it's a 10-day thing, and they can post date it so he's going to miss the tampa series and then the dummies send him to fort myers for a rehab assignment for a migraine and he fouls the ball off his toe and he might not play for a month i i, yeah. I think teams are overusing that thing uh to trying to all be smarter than the other guy yeah and it's all pat as you know in an attempt to keep the players healthier and yeah. hey if they only if they only need a week we don't want to put them on for 15 days, but we can get them healthy in a week, so let's do that. And you're right, teams are using it way too often. And in the Buxton case, you know, I did those games in San Juan. I was told point blank, you know, he might be fine tomorrow, and then he was put on the DL that night. And if you get hurt in, a, in an assignment like he did, that's extra bad news. So I, I think we need to examine if that's the right way to do things in the big league. Boy, you watch this team, and he was hitting 198. And we had uh, Kelly, Tom Kelly on yesterday. I was talking to him beforehand. He said they just don't look like nearly as good a baseball team with him not playing center field because everything gets caught. Right. It's, it's, I did this story last year with him, Pat. I had Brian Dozier tell me that he went to Buxton early on and said, look, Nobody here cares if you hit 140. <laughs> we just need you to be the great center fielder that you are. And I told you, Pat, I learned defense in Baltimore. 87 Orioles, worst defense in the outfield I've ever seen. 89, it was great. And the difference was they had guys that could catch the ball. Pitchers were not afraid to throw it over the plate anymore because they knew if it's in the air, it's going to get caught. And that's the way Twins pitchers react when he's out there, and they can't react the same way when he's not out there. Well, he's the second coming of Paul Blair, and Paul Blair had, what, a couple of years where he hit 220 for Earl, and Earl didn't care because he was going to catch the ball in center field. Earl was going to let those corner outfielders worry about hitting the home runs. He had Paul right. Blair in center field. Blair was one of the great center fielders I've ever seen, and you're right, he was not particularly productive certain years, but Earl knew defense absolutely wins the day, and you got to have him out there. I think the American League's got a problem. We know who the five playoff teams are, and it's, uh, uh, you know, Toronto's hanging there, but uh, man alive, uh, she's coming into uh, form awful quick in this uh, league. Yeah, and that's not a good sign, Pat, because that might mean these pennant races will go, you know, go away early. Pat, we had four teams that lost 20 games before we got to May. Now, again, we started early. And remember, back in the 40s, they didn't start yeah. until April the 18th. So this is a little bit stilted here. But at the same time, it proves a point. Only one other year did we have two teams get to May with 20 losses. And this year, we have four teams. So it's not so much, hey, look how good some of these teams are. It's also, look how bad some of these teams are. And when you're 10 games out, 12 games out going into May... That's a really bad sign in a lot of ways. And, again, it's something that baseball needs to examine as we move forward. Uh, yesterday, uh, we usually look up a day in history. Yesterday was the day Ricky Henderson uh, broke Lou Brock's base-stealing record and um, announced to Lou that he was the greatest ever, But which was fantastic. But 
Every time I look at Ricky and what he did, I think he might have been one of the ten greatest players that ever played. Well, you're right, Pat. He's the greatest leadoff man ever. He changed the game with his legs. When he got on base, and he was on base all the time, the, the game completely changed. Frank Robinson, when I covered that team, told his catcher in the first and pitcher in the first inning of the game, don't even worry about trying to throw him out. Ricky stole second and third without a throw in the first <laughs> inning of a major league game because they realized with the catcher they had and the pitcher they had, they weren't going to throw him out anyway. So they let him steal, basically, without a throw in the first inning of a game. That's how great Ricky was. And, yes, I think uh, I would certainly go top 15 player of all time and feel very comfortable saying that. Uh, Kelly yesterday told us that his deal was don't uh, look at him when he got to first base. He'd tell the pitcher, don't look at him. Don't throw over for sure, but don't look at him because then he'll read you, and then he, you know, and then he'll then he'll steal. They didn't want to give him any hints, you know. So that's right. uh, and uh, by the way, Brock and Ricky worked on a speech that Ricky could make when he broke Brock's rec- record. Yeah, they worked on it together, <laughs> and then Ricky, in all of the excitement of breaking the record, forgot to read the speech. <laughs> and Brock is like, 3,000 miles away going, Ricky, what happened? <laughs> I thought Brock was there. Brock wasn't there. I thought Brock was there. I guess no, but he might have showed up when they honored him the next time or something. Well, they like. worked on a speech that Ricky was going to take out of his back pocket and read over the microphone, and he never got that far. Boy, what a character, but man, he was something. And the umpires wouldn't call a strike on him. It was uh, It was incredible. So, uh, yeah, the the whole uh, the, the stats out there now. Uh, more hits, uh, more strikeouts than hits in a month. Than uh, baseball is going to do something here. I don't know. Last night we had a shift. The Twins had a shift for smoke. Everybody, a four-man outfield, and everybody uh, pulled way over into the second base hole to first base. I I don't know what the solution is, but it 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 doesn't look like a baseball game to me. Pat, it, there is no solution at this point until our hitters decide to make an adjustment to what this dominant pitching is doing to them at this moment. The shifts, by the way, are way up over last year, and that cannot be a good sign. The strikeout rate, as you and I have talked about 20 times on this show, is so <laughs> far out of control. I wrote this story, Pat. Why are the strikeouts going up in 1990? For Sports Illustrated, that's when it really first started to change. Here it is 28 years later, and it's getting worse and worse. Pat, we had four guys get to 40 strikeouts before we got to May. And I know it's a different time and different players. Mattingly's worst strikeout season was 43. Tony <laughs> Gwynn was 40. DiMaggio was 39. Yogi Berra was 38. And we had four guys at 40 or more before we got to May. Think about that. It's just too much. And until the hitters decide, I'm going to have to find a different approach and put it in play more often, these strikeout numbers are going to go up. And yesterday, Pat, the, the Yankees struck out 15 times. They did not walk. <laughs> And they won the game. <laughs> yeah. Zero and 15. Yeah. Last time that was happened was October of 2015. It's ridiculous. All right. All right. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Go O's. <laughs> See you, Pat. <laughs> Goodbye. 
Avoid distracted driving. Keep your full attention on the ride with Royce. I gotta admit, this is for uh, a certain taste. You're just gonna have to put up with it. 1500 ESPN. And live inside the TCL Broadcast Studios, this portion of the Ride with Royce today is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Stores. Proud sponsors of the Beer Show Thursday nights on 1500 ESPN. All right, Johnny Hyde, you got three minutes. Make it good. But talk fast. Okay. <laughs> update, Make it good. Update sponsored by Frontline Plus. Warmer weather means more time outside, but it can also mean more bugs. So don't forget to protect your pets with the number one name in flea and tick protection. Frontline Plus. Buy it today. Twins beat Toronto 4-zip today. Fernando Romero makes his Major League debut going 5-2 and thirds. Four hits, no runs, struck out five. Twins open up a four-game series against the White Sox in Chicago tomorrow. If you're wondering about Byron Buxton, he's still uh, nursing that fractured big toe on his left foot, but he will travel with the Twins for the four-game road trip against the White Sox, but manager Paul Molitor says still not sure uh, when he'll be playing. So they haven't decided either if Buxton will need another rehab assignment before. Going back to the lineup. That's okay. Game. That worked out so well the last time. Let's rehab <laughs> him again. I do have an update. Uh, Charles Barkley yes. uh, today apologized for saying okay. he wants to punch Draymond Green in the face. He was on Waddle and Sylvie mm-hmm. on ESPN Radio in Chicago. Chicago, yeah. He opened his interview by apologizing for the remark. He said, I want to apologize to Draymond Green. I was 100% wrong. Wow. And he said, we aren't going to fisticuffs. I shouldn't have said it. Is this an apology? I shouldn't have said it, but I meant it. <laughs> So, so it's not an apology. Well, he also had this to say. They got no chance. 18 and 0. Oh. They're like the black girl on the bachelor. They got no chance. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Uh, also, I did want to get this in before the day's over. Uh, you know, Major League veterans kind of treat rookies, you know, a, a little rudely at times. Uh, they send rookies out for coffee on occasion uh, before a day game after a night contest. Mm-hmm. The Colorado Rockies took this to an extreme. Outfielder Noel Cuevas was sent out in full uniform along with a cart to the streets of Chicago. That's kind of funny. He had to go to the Starbucks across the street, mm-hmm. returned with 20 cups of coffee for the team, oh. buying them all in his uniform, and he had to pay for them all $111.55. And, and, of course, they probably have coffee in the clubhouse, so they're just abusing the guy, right? right? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to get Starbucks, probably with all different orders, too. Yeah, in fact, there was one, there was a couple of caramel frappuccinos, apparently, that <laughs> oh my the guys on the team wanted. He's got the list. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the 26-year-old Cuevas uh, has appeared in eight games this season, hitting two seventy eight. By the way, they're good. Colorado. Colorado. They got a nice lineup. Uh, Eric Reed has filed a collusion grievance against the NFL over his employment status. He should. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, working, he still doesn't have a job. Uh, he's 26 years old, remains unsigned after becoming a free agent in March when his rookie contract expired. Remember, he was one of the first players to join Colin Kaepernick two years ago in kneeling. Uh, he did meet with Cincinnati owner uh, Mike Brown. He asked Reed uh, if he planned to continue kneeling. Anthem said no, he would not do that, but still didn't get an offer from Brown and still hasn't gotten an offer from anybody else to play football. If he files this, does this hurt his chances of getting a job even well, more? If they're not going to give you one, what are you going to do? I suppose. I mean, Kaepernick's still out there. It's ridiculous. John Lynch says it's it's just a slow market for safety. Oh, sure it is. Yeah, right, you liar. No, you were a slow safety, John. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, well, he was pretty good. <laughs> he was pretty good. Yeah. All right, thanks, Johnny. You bet. This is The Ride with Royce. I see it as a car crash. I'm rubbernecking. On 1500 ESPN. The ride with Royce now continues. Personal file, 69, 
offense. He was giving them the business. It's time for late. Hits. We have a special uh, appearance, the Hockey Five Minutes. We're oh, boy. This. Jess Myers, breaking news on the college hockey front. Jess Myers, what's happening? Mike Gensel's second term as a Gopher assistant coach has come to an end. It looks right. like uh, he will not be on the staff that put together by Bob Monsko. And the uh, perception is that uh, he probably, since he wanted the job, that probably wouldn't have worked you out. You know, for he was supposed party. to be the heir apparent yes. to Doug Woog back yes. how many years right. ago and, and supposedly was turning down other college jobs. Because Woob kept telling him, "Stay here, you'll be my, yeah. you'll be my next guy," and got passed over when Lucia was there. Forcia got uh, Lucia in here. Yep. But, uh, yep. <laughs> so uh, Mike Gensel's long and storied run, it looks like, with the Gopher hockey program is done. Now he's got NHL playoffs to watch, and his well, kids just going to say he's going to be heading game, to Pittsburgh so, anyway. Yeah, he, he's busy right now, and I think he'll find himself and a nice scouting so who job. Who are somewhere. our assistants for so, Coach Motsko? Coach Motsko's two assistants are going to be Scott Bell, who is going to be in his second year. Scott Bell's a name we know; has been there a while. Coached at Hamlin, played for the. Yeah. He's the he's the M man on the staff, mm-hmm. and then oh, we gotta have the M man. Gotta have an M man, and then we've got Garrett Raboyne, who has been an assistant coach with the Huskies for a while and played for the Huskies. Detroit Lakes kid, supposed to be a good recruiter. Uh, Motsko is bringing him in as well, so uh, kind of remaking his staff. So and you his only own have it's amazing that you have uh, you only have two full time assistants on a hockey staff. It, <sighs> it seems like a small number. Get get Mike Sertich going on that sometime okay. about you know how basketball has like nine assistant oh, yeah. coaches. They have yeah. one for and every plus, player essentially. They and uh, you said Jim Montgomery is leaving Denver and going to become the coach of the Dallas Stars. The rumor was out last year he was going to be he, in Tampa, he, right? He no. had interviewed in Florida, Florida last year right. and then withdrew his name from consideration after being very serious about uh, being one of the finalists there. Now it looks like he's going to go to Dallas. He was also rumored for the Rangers job. Now... This is interesting for local college hockey fans, too. The Rangers' job is still open. The two coaches they keep talking about, David Quinn at Boston University and Scott Sandlin from Minnesota Duluth, those are the two guys really? that the Rangers are supposedly interested in. Now, I don't know. I saw somebody yeah. else who just did Who else did I read that just interviewed there? I can't, I can't remember. But, uh, well, it's... I kind of uh, hope Jacques Demers interviewed there. You know, go, let's get, bring him back into the mix. <laughs> Remember how he had every job in the NHL at one point? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Well, uh, that's... Uh, Montgomery is... Uh, boy, Denver's had a nice run here for about a decade. Nice, right? George, nice, nice George job. got her going. George and, got uh, it going. You know, George couldn't win in the NCAA playoffs after getting those two titles. And they gassed George <laughs> in a controversial move and brought in Montgomery. And everybody thought, boy, that program's going to suffer. Well... He got him another national championship last season. So, uh, yeah, he's done a nice job. All right. Today is the anniversary of uh, Howie the Hairdo Baldwin buying the <laughs> buying the North Stars. Uh, briefly. 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 Uh, so I was looking up Harvey, Howie the Hairdo stuff from then, 1990, and I ran across a piece that uh, Joe LaPointe, the great hockey writer for sure. the uh, New York Times, did with Norm Green after Norm took control of the team, he wrote it for the New York Times uh, a couple of months into the season. And I, I did not realize this. When Norm first came in, I guess I remember him cutting pay, but he gave out, he fired 900 people with the North Stars. Fired 900, and Glenn, meaning wow. lots of part-timers, right? Yeah. He got who, rid of 70% of the staff. Everybody in the parking lot he lost got their for, job. He got for, for rid of 70% of the staff. If if you weren't a good-looking gal who wore a short skirt, you had no chance to stay, in other words. Uh, but Norm was very upset because of the deal with San Jose that the player that he'd had to give him 30 players. And also, they were going to get the sp- expansion money 
the guns were going to get the expansion money for the next three expansion teams, and that's when they were getting. So Norm was very upset, and Norm uh, was taking action against the Sharks. And one of his actions was uh, they would not allow Shark scouts to get into the arena free. Uh, Norm uh, <laughs> uh, said that... Uh, if we feel we are not very being treated fairly, we can harm them. The North Stars are not going to be intimidated. So he wouldn't let a couple of sh- uh, scouts get in. So Chuck Grillo had to buy a ticket or something uh, yeah, like I that. Yeah, remember the guy, Art Savage, uh, oh, the sure. CEO of the Sharks. He says, we're not interested in renegotiating the deal. <laughs> we're willing to buy our own tickets to get into games. But uh, what a beauty And it was. wasn't tough to get a ticket to get into Met Center in those no, days either. So No, this is a true story. Uh, early in the year, October, November, Norm, I got, I'd talked to him a few times and I had no idea how crazy he was because I, the North Star, some of the North Star employees were telling me how crazy he was, but they drew under 5,000 for the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. And Norm was absolutely despondent. Couldn't believe it. And he called me at home like at eight o'clock in the morning and said, what am I going to do? I said... I think you're talking to the wrong guy here, Norm. I'm not exactly. I grew up in Southwest Minnesota. I'm not exactly a hockey guy, but uh, I mean, he was like on the phone for 30 minutes, virtually weeping because he couldn't figure out. And of course, then by the miracle of miracles, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, what a what a what a wacky time because Howie the hairdo was a complete. Slick, slicko, right? Yeah. Trying to, oh yeah. He and Boris movie, Bell- movie producer mogul, yeah, yeah. all that. You know, he, remember the uh, the tennis player Armitage, wasn't it Armitage? Oh, Where his yeah. partners? Yep. For these movies, and that Richard Greco, G R I E C. Oh, Richard Greco. He oh, was man. the star in like most of their movies. <laughs> they were, you know, Frank was, Stallone wasn't he, available, he so they got the, Richard Greco. He was the quiet. Murder, you know, he was the good-looking, dashing guy who always had the the girlfriend if, who didn't know he was a murderer, or he was trying to track down the murderer. Track, but those were his movies. Get the movie Sudden Death sometime. It's yeah, a, yeah, a Jean-Claude a, Van Damme vehicle. It was a Howie, was Howie, a, Baldwin. Was a Howie Baldwin movie. It was when he was with the Penguins. So, of course, it takes place at the Penguins Arena yeah. during the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. And, of course, it's, you know, diehard in a hockey arena. And he but. ended up basically somehow bought the penguins when they were distressed yep. but again didn't have any money and ended up kept uh kept extending Lemieux's contract so he didn't have to pay him right right he'd say okay i can't afford to pay you for this season but we're going to pay you for three more seasons out and remember they owed him so much money that they ended up giving him the team right. Lemieux ended up with the team basically because of how much money they owed him because that was a Howie the Hairdo operation, too. They so. paid him in stock. I That's like it. That's right. <laughs> what do you got on the Great Outdoor Show? What does it take to be a conservation officer? That's the question we're going to answer. They have an academy now for people who want to oh, be conservation really? officers. And and we're going we're we to talk to some of those These people. are game wardens, right? These are game wardens, yeah. yeah. we used to call them game wardens. Conservation officers. The con- officer. correct term now, but the yes. game warden, yeah. Well, I, I, grew up in a, I grew up in a family that spent a lot of time Hoping they didn't meet the game warden. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to avoid the game warden. Uh, especially, uh, did you lock the fence? You know, when you went to Badger Lake, you had to make sure you locked the fence so the guy couldn't come rolling in to check and see if perhaps at that opener, 
You got a couple more blue wing teal than you were supposed to. Those things happen. Those, those but, are the guys. Uh, this is this is time when game was plentiful. It's not as plentiful anymore. So uh, good luck to them. most. I've met a few, and most of them are pretty good guys. Absolutely tough All job right. and, and a good job. So we'll, right. we'll talk and about they that. Probably Six o'clock. Are, uh, numerically, they probably cover more uh, miles than they've ever had to cover. Too, they cover right? more miles than they have to cover. And think about this: almost everyone you talk to is armed. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You know, that is so true. it's a dangerous job, and it's yes, a, it is. but it's but it's a good job. Yes, sir. All right, thanks, Jess. Ah, uh, Manny, what you got? My complaint is with uh, my uh, pick to come out of the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Raptors Ooh, blowing that game that last night bad. against Cleveland. You, they had to work to blow that one. Yeah, I mean, and the the worst part about it is they it it wasn't like they weren't getting good shots down the stretch. They just weren't hitting them. They just weren't weren't uh, executing their I offense. Missed, what, seven or eight in a row, right? I yeah. have a basketball question for both of you because you okay. guys observe the game. And I, I know LeBron is a, a really big talking point, but I, I get that he's the greatest player of all time. He doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he is defensively, I don't think. He completely shut down Kyle Lowry. Well, I think he's been the defensive player of the year and stuff. So oh, really? I guess I, I just don't I don't hear know if he's ever won the award. But, but he's, he's but on he's the been, defensive team. And stuff, yeah. Because, so. man, is he good. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a total he's, package. He's found himself some... Uh, some new life here too. I think he's taking some vitamins that are really fantastic. You think so? Yeah. No, I mean I'm not making any suggestion, oh. but it's amazing that with the number of minutes he's played. He's there's a lot good. of mileage. Yeah. He's got oh, a crazy right. workout regimen, oh, just yeah. like just like Brady and those guys. They're going yeah. back to the finals, aren't they? They might. They might. Because Boston might beat Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it, but they oh. might beat the Sixers. I tell you what, they're not going next year, even if he's still there. Because Boston, if they ever get healthy, oh I know, and Philadelphia is going to. Yeah. Keep getting better, yeah. and yeah. what do you got, Reavers? Are you going to complain about Jason Cash? Oh my God, get out of my head! <laughs> he, knew, he knew that's right. You know, here's my complaint with okay. all of you experts that don't appreciate Jason Castro's observance of the strike zone. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Swing the bat, dummy. Okay, even if the pitch is four inches, don't off care. The plate. Don't okay. care. You're <laughs> hitting right. a buck fifty. Now you swing me the, the bat. Now, if in that situation, if he swung at the pitch off the plate and missed it, would you then be mad at him for swinging at a bad pitch? No, I wouldn't. Honestly, I would not because there's been so many times this year where he just, he has looked at strike three that it's it's become it's become comical in my book. I got a nice throw out earlier. I got a rather though. odd daily complaint. Okay, okay. Doogie has uh, oh, tracked no. down oh, Norwood to T. He tracked Whoa. down Norwood Teague. Did you see that? No, he really. He found him in Raleigh. He's working for the Chamber of Commerce. He no no interviews, but uh, now this is a this is a a different view. I I kind of miss Norwood. You know, no, I've never been sexually oh harassed by him. Okay, and oh you know, I'm I'm not saying his behavior wasn't uh, a little off the charts, but he'd talk. He'd say something. You could get a hold of Norwood. He'd jabber and tell you stuff, right? I miss Norwood. I, like I don't think guy. that's been uttered in the Twin Cities. No, Norwood was a, he was just a, you know, he was... He was too yeah. friendly. He was a strange guy. There's no doubt about it. some him. issues. But he did buy 10 boxes of Girl Scout cookies for my granddaughter. That's a, so, see, you know, silver lining. Yeah, like silver lining. Yeah, I kind of miss Norwood. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.